0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Wilds Cast. Today we're rebroadcasting a Lunch and Learn that the Rabbi Wilds gave on Facebook Live. We're starting the week of transition from Holocaust Remembrance Day to Israel Independence Day. So without any further ado, here's Rabbi Wilds.
1: Share just a sort of a class of transition, if you will, because the world, the Jewish world, is really going through a transition from the actual um, commemoration of the Shoah to the declaration of the State of Israel. Um, It's an unbelievable period of history. Uh, It was such a short period of time between liberation in 1945, in April of 1945, until the declaration of the State of Israel, 1947, 1948, um, when the General Assembly voted in favor of partition and the Jewish people had for themselves a Jewish state. Welcome my friend Eitan Sosnovich and um, uh, Rachel. Yeah, his details were unbelievably clear and vivid. Um, Really just incredible. So I want to begin by um, sharing an idea, an idea about life and how this relates to the beginning of coming out of the Holocaust mindset into the State of Israel mindset. And it's something, it's a poem actually that Dr. Moshe Avital read at the end He asked me if I knew of this great Israeli poet. I had heard of him, but I didn't really know his writings. And he read this whole thing about life and how Judaism celebrates life. And of course, the Holocaust was all about death and the destruction of European Jewry. But then something switched. Something changed very, very quickly. And I mentioned this last week also that the highest population rates, highest birth population rates that took place in the world at the time, were going on in the DP camps. Survivors like Moshe Avital and others who were sent to these displaced person camps because they had no homes to go back to. They didn't know where they were gonna go. Were they gonna go to Israel? Were they gonna go to America? There was a lot of unknowns. And there was such life that developed out of that darkness. And the Torah tells us in the book of Leviticus this is chapter 18, verse 5 in the book of Leviticus. And the verse there teaches that God is speaking to the children of Israel, and he says, If you will keep my laws and my ordinances, which if a person does, and he shall live by them. I am God. Famous verse in the book of Leviticus. I'll read it again. You will keep my laws and my ordinances, says God to the Jewish people, which if a person does, he shall live by them. I am God. Now Rashi, the great biblical commentator, tells us, Hey, welcome. Rabbi Ezra and everyone else, that when Rashi says on the words, v'chai you shall live by them, Rashi says, la'olam haba. That must be referring to the Jewish belief in the world to come, the hereafter it must be when the Torah says that you shall follow the mitzvahs and live by the mitzvahs, it must be referring not to this world, but actually to the world to come. Because this phrase of living can't be referring to the world in which we live, because in the world in which we live, we all eventually die. And therefore, it's got to be referring to some world that you always continue to live. And what world exists according to Judaism forever, that you always live, and you will live, 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 live. That's not this physical world, because we die after some period of time. And therefore Rashi says it's referring to the world to come. And the great uh, Jewish philosopher, Yosef Albo, agrees with Rashi and has a whole um, treatise on this as well. However, the Talmud, which the great Maimonides seems to follow, disagrees. And Maimonides disagrees and he says that that this verse um, in the Torah that says you shall live by the Torah is not referring to the world to come where we live forever. It's actually referring to this world. And in the Rambam, Maimonides goes into a whole discussion about how the mitzvah to live is such a paramount mitzvah in Judaism. And how do we know this? We know this in the Halakha, the Rambam quotes this, that even if there's a suffolk, nefesh, even if, God forbid, there's a question of a person's life being in jeopardy, we break the Halakha, we break the Jewish law, let's say it's the Sabbath, in order, in favor of life. And the Rambam writes, Maimonides teaches that if there's a person, a Jew, whose situation is a life-threatening situation, and... Maybe there's a doctor that says it's life-threatening, the other doctor says, no, it's not life-threatening. There's a debate. Even a suffolk, because For suffolk means even if there's a question, if a person's life is at stake, we always go lenient, which means that we violate the Torah in order to preserve the life. And we don't start trying to come up with different you know, mechanisms. Let's ask someone who isn't Jewish to do it on Shabbat. Let's, uh, let's use a computer. Uh, you know, get around the halachic, if you're dealing with a life-threatening situation, you break the law and you do it yourself. In fact, Maimonides says on this passage that you should have the greatest scholar in the community break the Shabbat if it's to save and preserve a human life. And I remember, I'll tell you this story, years ago, my oldest son, Yosef, this happened a long time ago, he's 22 already, but probably when he was three or four, he was playing. Oh, by the way, I didn't get a chance to eat my breakfast. So I brought some Crispix. The Crispix are very, very healthy cereal. We have some less healthy cereals in the home. But I figured I would share my brunch, if you will, with you today. Uh, I know this is not the way you really should be eating, but this is what I got. I'll make the blessing. Now you all know. My favorite cereal, those of you from the MJ staff on, Maya, you might have seen the Crispix in the MJ office. So the story that I was sharing, my son Yosef is playing on Shabbat with um, one of these metal heavy stanchions that they use to keep people, I don't know, he shouldn't have been playing with it. And his mother kept telling him to stop and he didn't. And then sure enough, bam, it came crashing down on his head It was not a pretty sight. It was not a pretty scene. I was holding him and I yelled, call Hatzalah. Hatzalah is, uh, God bless them, volunteer ambulance corp. They've been working around the clock since corona started. And rather than wait for Hatzalah to come, the rabbi, the person happened just be standing next to me while I was holding my son's head. It was bleeding all over the place, sorry. And Rabbi Shachter, who's the rabbi of the Jewish center, my teacher and mentor, was standing right there. And I didn't know it was him. I just yelled, call Hatzalah. And he ran downstairs, because there's a Hatzalah ambulance in front of the Jewish center. And he ran into the middle of the street and he started to hail a cab, because he thought it'd be quicker for us to get our son to the hospital, to get this treated quickly by just getting in a cab and getting to the hospital and waiting for Hatzalah to come. And I'll never forget that sight of Rabbi Shachter, the arguably one of the greatest rabbis of uh, our generation and of the Upper West Side, standing with his talit on in the middle of Shabbos hailing a cab on Sabbath. (laughs) And he put us in a cab and we went to the hospital and everything was okay, it's some stitches. But I went and I showed Rabbi Shachter this passage in the Rambam that I just shared with you which says that when there's a life-threatening situation, you don't start asking someone who perhaps is not Jewish so you can minimize the violations or use some sort of technology. You have the greatest scholar of the, of, of the community break the Shabbos to demonstrate. And that's what Rabbi Shafter, in fact, did. And Rabbi Salvechik wrote on this passage in the Rambam that I was just sharing of how important preserving human life is. Usually the Rambam is much more concise in his writings but when it came to this topic he elaborates because of how important Judaism takes life and that the Torah was meant to bring to the world not a sense of vengeance but mercy loving kindness and peace and in the words of Rav Salvechik, he said and I quote the teachings of the Torah do not oppose the laws of life and reality For were they to clash with this world, and were they to negate the value of concrete, physiological, biological existence, then they would not contain mercy, loving-kindness, and peace, but rather vengeance and wrath." Was a quote from page 34 of his classic work, Halachic Man. And that's why a posek, a halachic decisor, may render a lenient position, even if there's just a possibility of danger, because the Torah was made for us to use to elevate the world, not to negate it. And it all comes from those two words in the verse that I began my discussion with you today. V'chai bahem, you shall live by them, by the words of the Torah. And the Talmud interprets, V'lo bahem, and not that you should die by them, which is why Rav Chaim, excuse me, Rav Salvechik, the same rabbi, quoted his grandfather, Rav Chaim Salvechik. disagreed with the view that on Yom Kippur a dangerously ill person could eat but should eat less than a certain amount. Right. Let's say you have to break your fast on Yom Kippur because you're not feeling well. So there's a debate as to whether or not you should just eat regularly as though it wasn't a fast day or you should eat but eat in small amounts so it doesn't constitute what is technically halachal required as eating. And he would instruct people in a position where they had to break the fast, because for medical reasons, he would say, just eat regularly. Don't start measuring and not to eat too much, just eat regularly. Why? Because um, he had this tradition, and he gave this tradition over to his son, Ravmosha Moshe Salvechik, who was Rabbi Joseph B. Salvechuk's father, who when he was about to become a rabbi in a town near Kovno, The same Rav Chaim took his son Rav Moshe and commanded him to follow his view on this issue. And he said it's an absolute halachic truth because he understood and he was following the position of Maimonides, the Rambam, that the phrase in the Torah v'chai that you shall live by the laws of the Torah means that the laws of the Torah were meant to be lived by to sanctify our lives right here and right now and not like Rashi, that it's talking about the world to come. The ideal of a halachically minded person, a person who's trying to apply the laws and rules and traditions of the Torah to our everyday lives, he calls that person a halachic man, halachic person. The ideal of a halachic man is to redeem this life, this world. The focus of Torah is not on the afterlife. The focus of Torah is not on the Messiah. The focus of Torah is not on resurrection. Those are important parts of our Judaism, we believe in the messianic redemption, we believe in the afterlife, we believe in the resurrection, but it's not our focus. It happens to be more of a focus of other religions. Um, But it's interesting because there's almost no literature in Tanakh, in in the Bible, that directly speaks to these issues. There are verses from where the the sages learned the belief in the world to come, that after we die, we go to this other spiritual place, and then when the Mashiach comes, it will redeem the world. And when the Messiah comes, there'll be this resurrection of the dead. We believe in all that stuff. But it's not the focus of Judaism. The focus of Torah Judaism is to elevate your life in the here and in the now. The task, says Rabbi Salvechik, of the religious individual is bound up with the performance of mitzvot, the commandments, And this performance of these mitzvot are really confined to this world, to what he says is physical, concrete reality, to clamorous, tumultuous life, pulsating with exuberance and strength. Therefore, holiness need keep itself far away from death. In fact, the priest, the Nazarite, and the temple court, holy offerings are removed as if by an iron wall from the realm of death. What do we know about a Kohen? A priest is not permitted to come into the contact of of a corpse. And we know that a Nazi or someone who takes on added religious restrictions also is not permitted to come into contact with a dead corpse because we are trying to focus the person even more on life and away from death. And that's why the focus of halacha, of Jewish tradition, is how we treat each other, civil law, torts, Property. I get into a property line dispu- dispute with my neighbor. Contracts, the way we eat, the way we drink. I wanna thank my dear friend Stephen Fink. Thank you for your chizuk, my friend. I really appreciate that. We make blessings over the food that we eat, right? And we, we observe the laws of kashrut. We engage, when we get married, um, the laws of sexuality, of marriage and divorce. I'm gonna be performing actually a wedding, please God. Tomorrow, One of our own MGE participants is getting married. We're doing a very tiny wedding. Just a few people want to wish a, ma- uh, a mazel tov to Taryn Tanzer. And all of these traditions and laws about marriage and sexuality. And on Passover, we refrain from eating the chametz, And we eat matzah. And on Rosh Hashanah, we blow the shofar. And on Sukkot, we shake the lulav. And every day we say the Shema. And we pray and we observe Shabbat. These are all things that we do with our organs with our bodies. These are things that we do in the physical world. That's v'chai b'hem, that's living by the Torah in the here and in the now. Now, why am I talking about this when I told you I'm gonna start transitioning to Israel? What does any of this have to do with Israel? It has everything to do with Israel because if you were listening to what Moshe Moshe Avital, who survived six concentration camps and then went on to help build and create the state of Israel, he said that Judaism's all about life. And that's what changed with the creation of the state of Israel. Because before the Jewish state, our liberty and our freedom in Europe was dependent on the whims of other people. It was dependent on the governments who ruled over our grandparents and our great-grandparents, who had no power to shape their own destiny. And if you got lucky to live in a country that was good to the Jews, great but then they turned. You have no control over your own destiny when you're putting your fate in someone else's hands. With Jewish statehood came independence, and with independence comes dignity, because now you can charter your own path. Living in someone else's country means that if the government is favorably disposed to you, then all is good. And by the way, we should express tremendous, akara satov, tremendous gratitude that the government of the country of the United States of America, generally speaking, big exception for what happened during the Second World War. Those of you who uh, were participating in my class discussion yesterday, the US diplomatic response to Kristallnacht, and we we saw that even in a great country like the United States, which turned a blind eye to the hundreds of thousands of Jewish refugees that wanted to come to the United States, but the incredibly overly restrictive quota system kept our our ancestors, our grandparents out. Living in someone else's country, even the best country in the world, means that you are dependent on how the government relates to you. And it could be one thing one day and another thing another day. I don't know if I shared this, but maybe I did last week. It was difficult, my grandmother, a blessed memory, my mother's mother, um, Hilda Schoenwalter, I loved her very much. She was from Germany. And I used to try to squeeze her for information. She wasn't a very verbose woman. She was a very special lady. But she didn't really speak so much about her experiences in Germany. And she came to the United States, um, thank God, and had a lot of gratitude to, this, to America for receiving her so favorably and building up her life and her family and her business. But she could never say anything bad about the German people. She never did say anything bad about the German people. And for a very simple reason, she couldn't believe that the German people hated her. She said that the Nazis, the brown shirts, she used to say, it was like the Hitler Youth, and of course Hitler, and the whole Nazi party, she despised. But the German people, it was too difficult for her to believe that the German people despised the Jew or could turn against her because she was such a part of German society for so long. Her family lived in Germany for centuries. My grandmother and the man she married, my grandfather, uh, Max, who I'm named after. And um, this has been a reoccurring theme in Jewish history, that we are dependent on other people. And if the people you're dependent on are good to you, then all is good. And that's one of the things we daven for every Shabbos. When we make the blessing, there's a mitzvah to daven for the security and the safety of the government of the country in which you live. And we daven every Shabbos, and we recognize the great liberties and freedoms that we as American Jews are blessed with in this amazing country. But we ask Hashem that our governmental officials respond favorably to us because we know we're still not living in our own country. The second something goes wrong, God forbid, there's a scapegoat that's needed. I mean, I don't know if you've heard about this, but some crazy um, theories out there. Some, you know, anti-Semites are always looking for a reason to hate the Jew. It came out that um, some nut, uh, and it was published, said that, uh, of course, Corona was started by Jews by Israel and by the Jewish people, so we could profit from the vaccine whenever it would be developed, and so we could somehow, um, you know, de- deplete the world population. <laughs> you know? And I, I was actually concerned when whenever, you know, the stock market plummets, and whenever people are not feeling good about their lives, um, I mean, that's what Hitler did. Hitler, after, um, uh, Germany was was plunged into an economic depression and Germany was just feeling super low because of what the Allies after the First World War made Germany do to keep it down. Hitler needed to build up his people and he used the Jew as the scapegoat. And that was not the first time that that happened. And uh, the truth is Israel changed all that. Israel allowed the Jew, and I'm talking now the modern state of Israel, not the land of Israel. The land of Israel always had holiness and sanctity, but the land of Israel has been ruled over by so many different rulers, by the Ottomans and the, and the Mamelukes and the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans. and the, I mean, it's crazy how many foreign rulers governed the land of Israel. But since 1948, since the Jewish people came back, It allowed us to truly live. It enabled us to fulfill the biblical mandate of Achaibahem, to be able to live by the mitzvot of the Torah because it gave us sovereignty and independence. Independence means you can choose your own destiny, your own history going forward. Of course, we still have enemies, and a lot of people will say, what do you mean? Since the creation of the State of Israel, we have more enemies now. We may have more enemies but now we're in control of our own fate. We can say never again, as long as we have our own state, our own government, and our own army, that looks out for Jews, not only in Israel, but for Jews anywhere in the world. Do you know that during the coronavirus, Israel sent planes to pick up Jews that were stuck in other countries? And Israel and the army of Israel is not simply for the people of Israel. It's for the people of Israel which means the Jewish people, wherever we find ourselves. When there was a, a flight that was hijacked by a group of Palestinian and German terrorists in the 1970s, and Israel sent um, to Uganda, where Uganda's in some other country, because Israel takes care of the Jewish people, not only Israelis. And I believe this, that we can lift our heads wherever we are in the world, because Israel, although disliked by some, is respected by many for all she does for the world. And even just most simply for the kind of protection it provides for its own people. People respect that. People respect and people understand that a people needs to take care of its own. And not being dependent on another government, as wonderful as that government might be, is an extraordinary gift that we have seen in our own Time and it's a gift which expresses the concept of living. It's a true life. It's not a temporary life where we're wondering, is anything gonna go wrong? And then people are gonna start blaming. No, you're in your own country. You can charter your own destiny. It's a completely different situation. And I know I'm speaking to primarily Jewish people living in the United States, as I am. Here I am in Hunter Mountain. I was in Manhattan yesterday. We're here, but, we also know Israel is there, and we know we have a place to go to, and we know that it is a creation that is allowing the Jewish people as an, as an entity in the world to live more freely. And it's one of the many, many reasons that we should continue to support and love Israel no matter where we live. And I would add one more thing in which we could all take great, great pride. Israel doesn't only give life and dignity to its own people. Israel provides that kind of dignity to all in need. Israel is consistently one of the first countries to send in disaster relief teams to affected countries all over the world. Listen to these countries that Israel has helped Uh, after um, earthquakes, tornadoes and the like, Mexico, Armenia, Turkey, El Salvador, India, Peru, Indonesia, Rwanda, Sri Lanka, Haiti, And not too long ago, when Israel dispatched 150 medical personnel to treat the hundreds of earthquake victims, I mean, there were thousands, obviously, but Israel treated at least hundreds of earthquake victims in Haiti, carried out 85 surgeries. When the team of medical professionals came back to Israel after being in Haiti and helping them, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who personally greeted them at the airport, and he said to them the following, and I quote, You helped 1,600 wounded people and brought a new life with at least, excuse me, brought new life with at least eight births. You have shown the true face of Israel, a country that values life. And you think about how incredible that is, a country that is so beset by its own by terrorism and by enemies on all of its sides, is somehow a leading innovator in virtually all forms of technology, making an impact on the world way beyond its numbers. And I think it all comes down to this very important Jewish teaching. Where does it come from that we focus so much on life? And, I, and, and I'd like to think that even if uh, leaders or certain leaders in Israel are not necessarily religiously inspired, but that they are students. I know that Netanyahu himself, his father was a great scholar of Jewish history, that we are students of of our Torah and of our value system, and our values are all about life. That's why the Holocaust was so devastating, not only because it destroyed so many Jewish lives, but because it struck a blow to what Judaism is all about, which is life. But we did not let even the Shoah turn us off for life. We did not let that happen, because you can have survivors who come out of the Shoah, like Moshe Abital, speaking about the value of life. And when I asked him, is there anything else you want to share? He pulls out a poem that's written about life. And maybe someone who saw so much death has learned to appreciate life even that much more. But he understands he's a religious personality. He's an educator. He wrote 17 books about Judaism, many of them about Tanakh, about Hebrew scripture, and he understands the fundamental importance of human life over virtually everything else. And that is something we're thinking about during this corona period. I just wanna look at some of the notes and comments that people have been making. Um, Amy said that Israel aid helped Puerto Rico, very nice, after Hurricane Maria, and remained there for months after. I mean, this stuff, you know, unfortunately, is not what gets a lot of publicity. You know, Israel will get into the news a lot faster when there's some other controversial thing, but Israel does so much good, and where does it come from? I mean, Golda Meir had this thing about Africa. If you study any of the great um, uh, Israel's um, prime minister, Golda Meir, and she very much uh, believed in helping and lending a helping hand and having a relationship between uh, Israel and African countries. I I was just in Israel last summer and we went to uh, Save a Heart, excuse me, Save a Child. Oh my God, what an unbelievable organization in Israel. Brings children primarily from African countries, but also from parts of the Palestinian areas, children that have, that are in need of life-saving heart surgeries that is not available in some countries of the world. Israel, on its own dime, flies these individuals, these children in with one caretaker, performs the surgery, rehabilitates them, and sends them back home. And you just can't believe it until you're there. So save a child's heart. I'm just telling you, look it up. It's such a beautiful organization to support and to check out next time you're in Israel. We brought our MGE group there a number of times. And we go there just to spend time with the families, with the children who are either being prepped for surgery or already have had their life-saving surgery. And who does this? And, and to take just random children, people from a completely different part of the world, another continent, another race, another ethnicity, that no one even speaks the same language. I went there with my bongo and Penny was playing the guitar. And, Music's the international language, you just started playing music and singing and dancing with these kids. And what a kiddush Hashem, what a sanctification of God's name, but it's not just because we're do-gooders. It's because we have this verse in the Torah of Bahem this verse that teaches us we're supposed to be living by the mitzvot, and that the whole Torah is there, essentially, to promote life and make life better and greater. And I would argue that that's what ultimately creates The greatest world to come and the hereafter and that's what brings the messiah and the resurrection of the dead and all those other things it's not like they're unrelated do you believe in the here or do you believe in the hereafter we believe in the here but if you do the here like this world you do it right that's what brings you to the hereafter that's what enables us basically to have another life after this physical life if we've spent the physical life Inspired through the Torah and mitzvot, which enable us to live in the best possible way as givers and as chartering our own destiny, like the State of Israel has enabled us to do, then things like the Messiah and things like the world to come, all of those eschatological, very religious kind of otherworldly kinds of situations, they will come about because of the way we're living here and the way we're living now. And I thought that was one transition from the Holocaust to Israel is to focus on that idea of, of life. And what I'm going to do over the next few... Um, hang on one second. What I'm going to do over the next couple of days is get into some of the history of the creation of the state and also speak about the miracles, Um, and uh, next Monday night also, I'll be teaching a class on the miracles of Israel, which is gonna be a little different than what I'm doing during the lunch and learn, but it's an unbelievable story, modern day Jewish history, and how much we have built ourselves and literally taken us out of death and brought back the Jewish value of life in the State of Israel itself. Uh, And as I say, the State of Israel is something which is not simply for those who live in Israel. Obviously, there's a mitzvah to live in Israel, and it's really ideally where we all belong. But the focus that we have on the here and now is extremely relevant, and I think expressed by the creation of the modern-day State of Israel. And um, I want to conclude by starting to wish Israel a happy birthday, which is gonna be next week on Yom HaTzema'ut. And we should try to do something. I was very disappointed yesterday, Uh, actually happy and disappointed. uh, I think the mayor of New York City announced there'll be three parades that unfortunately will not be taking place uh, in New York City. The Gay Pride Parade, the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and the Israeli Day Parade. And when they mentioned the Israeli Day parade, they had a picture on Channel Five News, and guess who was in the picture? It's a big picture of MJE, um, uh, like a picture of us marching in last year's parade. It's really good shot, really good PR. Um, I guess when New York City wants to say there's no parade, they're saying there's no MGE marching, so they showed a picture of us there. I thought that was actually pretty cool. Maybe we'll post that later, and. Uh, We need to figure out something else that we can do to try to celebrate Israel um, and keep connected to Israel if we're not marching in the parade and we're not able to travel there right now. We're gonna start traveling there as soon as we possibly can. Um, We're trying to figure out if we're going this summer to Israel or not. Uh, We have to follow all the rules and the laws. And I wanna end with this as well. This corona period of time has also focused us focused us on the priority of human life over the, uh, the other rituals, right? Because I remember, I, I'll just share with one story. I, I've been calling a number of great rabbis for guidance and help. I'm doing this wedding tomorrow. How do you do a wedding? I'm doing actually a wedding without a minion. Usually you need a minion for a wedding, but there are opinions to rely on because we're not permitted to gather in, in big numbers. It's just gonna be a few people at the wedding. Oh yeah, Tuesday night, Yom Hatzma'ut's program on Tuesday night with Rabbi Avi. Special guest musician, Huddy Kowalski as well. It's gonna be beautiful. Uh, so please join us on Yom Hatzma'ut Tuesday night online with Rabbi Avi. So it's a, um, it's a testament to Jewish tradition and the value we place on life by the way the halachic community is dealing with corona. When I called Rav Schechter, Rabbi Herschel Schechter, who's one of the great leading Halachic disciples today of Rabbi Soloveitchik and one of the greatest leading Halachic uh, Possek, we call him, and asked him about what to do, about people being alone on Passover and what things we could do, what things we can't do in terms of electricity and Zoom and all these things. When I mentioned to him, you know, that uh, we could use the Zoom for people that are alone, you know, because we had the rabbi from LA for whom it was not the holiday yet being zoomed in. And as long as for the people that it is the holiday, as long as you put the zoom on before, he said that was all okay. And when I said, but he said, if there are people who are in a worse situation, God forbid, depressed and are low, right? Then you call them up and you go over there on Shabbat, you do whatever you have to do to make sure that they're safe. Because if there's a concern about physical safety, then you don't start playing around with Zoom and other kinds of you know modalities or or non-Jewish people who, who don't have to observe the Shabbat. You do it yourself. Going back to the way I began our discussion, you actually find the greatest rabbi, and that person breaks the Sabbath in order to demonstrate the primacy of human life over the mitzvot. And that really is not because over the mitzvot, because that's the purpose of the mitzvot. The purpose of the mitzvah is to promote life. And that, I think, is one link. Our first step, putting our little toe into Israel and what Israel means, because Israel promotes life. Israel's all about life. And the next time you see any kind of negative imagery about Israel being a place of destruction or death or simply terrorism, you set the record straight that Judaism and the state of Israel has done more to promote positive life affirming values and giving life to other countries and giving life and protection to its own people by having sovereignty independence so we can shorter our own course of life greatest kiddush hashem in the world there is nothing dignified about being vulnerable to our enemies and there is We don't glorify war, God forbid, and we certainly don't glorify death, but we do value self-defense because self-defense allows us to remain alive and life is the primary value. And Judaism and the modern state of Israel is giving us just that. I thank you guys for listening today. We're gonna continue uh, tomorrow. I'm gonna get a little more specific uh, into some more of the history and also give you some of the theology and philosophy uh, as we get closer about Zionism, religious Zionism, and uh, the state of Israel and we're going to talk a lot about the miracles and just amazing stuff that um, as we get closer to Yamatsmaut. have a great great day. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow lunch and learn at 12:30 and um, I'm trying to think what else I should be promoting. It is Wednesday. Oh anybody's interested in coming to my Uh, next level class tonight Uh, it should be in the email the zoom uh, to go into the next level class and then the zoom information and Friday of course we're gonna be doing Kabbalat Shabbat Uh, by the way we're gonna be starting it at 630 we're gonna be starting it at 630 because Shabbat is getting a little later now so Kabbalat Shabbat will be at 630 and I will get you the time for after Shabbat. Last week it was 8.30. We're gonna probably make it like 8.35 or even 8.40. Um, I'll get back to you about that, but it's gonna be around 8.35, 8.40 for uh, Havdalah Saturday night and 6.30 for Kabbalah Shabbat. Have an awesome day, everyone. Thank you for participating. Stay healthy, work out today, and remember, don't let a day go by without calling someone who could really use your to hear your voice. Tell them how much you're thinking about them, how much you love them. If it's an older person who might be feeling a little precarious in this, vulnerable in this time, tell them you're here for them, and uh, make sure that the day does not go by without doing something important for someone else. Have an awesome day. Everyone.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Wildscast. Subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. If you haven't already, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcast Store. It only takes a minute, and when you do, it helps others discover the show. For more information about the Manhattan Jewish Experience, visit our website at jewishexperience.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for joining us today.